everyone, it's Benji here. I just want to let you guys know that the Budget Overland podcast is uh, no more. Uh, ended that back in February 2024. I just wanted to come on here and give you guys a disclaimer as to not buy anything from Budget Overland Official. The only two things that you should be able to join is the Facebook group, and that is under groups, and it's called Budget Overland. You have to ask to join. It's still up and operational. And then BudgetOverlandPortal.com will still be up and operational until the domain name runs out, which I believe is good till 2026. Anything, everything else that's Budget Overland out there, please don't support. Please don't buy. It's either spam, scam, or something else. Uh, just want to let you guys know, I did start a new podcast called Newfound Overland. It's available on all major platforms. Love to have you over there. Uh, just kind of disclaimer here, guys, up front before you get into today's episode. There's a lot of gold out here. You know, every episode we had some good guests and good topics. So I don't want to discourage you guys from listening further. So please do. And I'd love to see you over on Newfound Overland. Bye-bye. Welcome back, everyone. to another episode of the Budget Overland Podcast. I'm your host, Benji. And I don't know if this is going to be a super long episode or not. We'll see how it goes. I like uh, unplanned meetings like this or unplanned <laughs> chats. <laughs> so with me in studio, literally with within the same time zone, not really. He's out in California. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler from More Flight. Yeah, he, man. Uh, he, he was doing our August sponsor, which was awesome, and our first sponsor ever for the uh, monthly email. So thanks for that. How yeah, uh, how is you be? I be pretty good. Um, man, it's it's freaking hot this week. I think we're up over a hundred and ten degrees here in Sacramento for I think Monday through Thursday, and then we get down to like one o two on Friday, <laughs> something like that. So hot week this week. Um, so it's hot here at the the Morflate warehouse. But um, the employees just decided to buy a bunch of those gel blaster guns. Yeah. And they've been chasing each other around the warehouse and causing all sorts of havoc. Um, there's, I think, the whole entire floor, 9,300 square feet, is covered with those little gel blaster <laughs> gel water beads right. things. <laughs> so. Well, at least they're having fun, right? They they indeed are having a lot of fun for sure. <laughs> do they? Uh, you always talk about them on the Snail Trail Four by Four Off Road Podcast. How do you guys? And I didn't even plug that. You're one of the co-hosts of Snail Trail Four by Four Off Road Podcast as well. For a lot of people, probably listen hopefully to both podcasts. Yeah, cool. Yeah, if people are listening to both podcasts, then they know that I think you and I could probably do a four hour episode here. So I think we should. Let's just do it. <laughs> marathon episode. I got my adult depends on, so I'm good. We're good. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well what i was gonna say is you're always talking about you know you call them mfers uh you know and that's fun you guys have jokes and stuff and you're always yeah. doing something but what would be really entertaining is to just set up like a camera like a live cam feed uh oh. throughout the day on youtube or something and just see what shenanigans they get into they might not like that but uh it might not even be appropriate too. For, <laughs> it would for... not be appropriate at all. <laughs> we cannot launch that feed. Uh, um, we do have security cameras up throughout the warehouse, though, and so um, that's funny. They've been having fun uh, because they all have access to the, anybody who has a key to the yeah. warehouse has access to the security cameras and the footage. So um, they've been having fun uh, uh, <laughs> ambushing. <laughs> each other and then pulling the video feeds <laughs> off and of the security cameras of the ambushes and the attacks nice. um, and then saving them on their phones and God knows what they're going to do with it. I don't know, but I'm a little worried. That's fine. <laughs> so 
let's get into like kind of Tyler and like how he kind of started. You're you're big in the off road scene, not not necessarily mm-hmm. overlanding, but you're kind of slowly opening kind of up getting to the there. Eye. Yeah, a little, yeah. You got the Bronco <laughs> and the trailer and stuff. You, you yep. got the uh, Starlink, so you're now officially an overlander out in the middle of nowhere. That's great. Totally. But yeah. uh, how'd you get started <laughs> in just the off road community? I guess get going out um, wheeling and stuff. God, good question. It definitely so. It has to start back with my grandfather. My grandfather was a huge outdoors person. Um, he literally grew up on a gold mining claim for a few years in the middle of a river canyon when he was 13 and 14. That was back in the, what was that, the 30s? Um, and so he's always been a huge outdoors person. He's hiked a bunch of the mountains around California, McKinley, Shasta, um, uh, but the other ones. Um, he's been up to... Uh, Alaska a bunch of times. He's been out to Yellowstone, Yosemite a bunch of times. He was a ranger. Um, uh, um, God, what are they called? The wildlife fishing game uh, mm. warden out in Yellowstone for a couple of years. That's how he met my grandmother. Wow. And then uh, when they came back to California here, uh, he ended up being a game warden out in Calusa County for his career pretty much. So uh, once he retired from that, he got a bunch of investment properties uh, and... Um, did an awesome job with that made a good living for himself and had three awesome boys. And, you know, one of them was my dad and he took the kids all the way through a bunch of different river canyons, hiking up McKinley, hiking up Shasta, everything that he did. Um, and so we've always been a pretty big outdoor family. And my dad was the one that got into off-roading. And so, um, yeah, we grew up, I grew up down near Fresno in the, the Fresno, Visalia, Tulare, Hanford area of Sacramento in the Central Valley. And so we did a lot of our off-roading growing up, um, up in near Shaver Lake and the Red Mountain, Bald Mountain area, um, Doozy Ursham, Swamp Lake, Shut Eye Peak. Um, there's a ton of really awesome wheeling high Sierra trails up there and, um, so that was kind of what I did a lot growing up. And then um, it just kind of once I got old enough where I could afford <laughs> my own off-roading hobby here, I immediately ended up with a, a, I think my first off-road vehicle was a 2007 dual cab long bed Tacoma that was open, open mm. that I modified, put up on 35 inch tires, did cab mount chop on it. I uh, ran a, a raised suspension on it, uh, did a bunch of different stuff and took that truck way more places than it should have ever gone. Um, and then I decided that I really wanted to get more into rock crawling and get a really a dedicated rock crawling vehicle that I could beat up on, I could break, and I didn't have to depend on it to be my daily driver. <laughs> mm, yeah. So um, ended up getting a first gen forerunner, 1985, which is the golden year for forerunners. And I absolutely loved that rig. Um, It was, I had it up on 37s, 36s, 37s, uh, dual cases, uh, 4.7 in the rear, 2.28 in the front, uh, winch. I put a, uh, I redid the heads on the 22RE and then I blew up the valves and no, sorry, that was on the next rig. So um, I redid the heads and then took it out to Sierra Trek which is a really fun event that actually we just got done with here in yeah. California a couple of days ago. Um, and from there I had all my camping gear, all my tools. And I was like, I was still kind of young. It was, this was eight, nine years ago. And so I didn't have like a ton of tools 
for the car and then another set of tools for the house. So it was literally like all my tools in mm-hmm. the in the Forerunner. A bunch of radio equipment because I'm a super nerd and I'm into radio stuff as well. Um, and uh, I got back from Sierra Trek and I had a fuel pump cutoff switch hidden in the rig because those first gen Forerunners are notoriously easy to steal. Mm. Um, the tumblers in the ignition in the steering column uh, are worn out and they only made like six different keys, something like that. Six or seven keys for all the first gen forerunners ever produced. So chances were high that you could steal a first gen forerunner pretty easily. Um, and so I had a fuel pump cutoff switch in there and that trip coming down from Sierra Trek, my fuel pump was having issues. Mm. And so I got it home. I, I got it working um, and got it home. And so I left the fuel pump switch on because I was like, it's all working it's going to be okay. I'm just going to leave it on for now and I'll come out in the morning, pull the fuel pump and deal with it all then. I didn't unpack the rig that night when I got home. And when I woke up in the morning and went out to get my vehicle and move it over to the garage to unpack it and start working on the fuel pump, the vehicle was no longer there. Man. Yeah. So uh, it was twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 worth of camping stuff, tools, recovery equipment, uh, radio equipment, all sorts of stuff. The insurance company screwed me over on it all. Um, I think I got three thousand dollars out of mm. the insurance company on it, um, and the the forerunner was nowhere to be found. So, let alone the value of the forerunner. So, man, um, we ended up recovering the forerunner a couple weeks later, thanks to social media, um, and it was found a block and a half away from a California Highway Patrol station. <laughs> Super ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got it back. The interior was gutted. All my stuff was gone. Um, and uh, they took my high lift off the back, the winch off the front. and But they left the tires, the wheels, the dual cases, all the drivetrain. Wow. Um, they left all that. So it was just pretty much a shell of a Forerunner now that was tainted. And I didn't feel like it was mine anymore. Um, and so I was like, I don't know where to really go from here. And I realized from wheeling a first gen forerunner that there's a they have a back seat there, but you can't really access the back seat. It's not it's not very accessible unless you have the hard top taken off, right? And I never did because I didn't have storage for it. So I was like, I really want something that has a back seat that has four doors this time. Um, and so I ended up finding a second gen forerunner nearby for a pretty decent price that had dual cases, but they were both 2.28s. It wasn't a 4.7. Uh, I had an I had an R151 transmission in the first gen, which if anybody knows about that transmission, it's the transmission out of the 22RE Turbo. And uh, it's a really strong transmission. Um, and it has a lower first gear in it than any of the other manual transmissions that Toyota ever made. So it almost has like a little granny gear in the first gear, which is amazing for rock crawling. So I had that in there. um, And so I just had, there was the basic transmission, the second gen forerunner, basic axles. The rear was welded. The front was open. um, And so I was, and they weren't built. It was four cylinder third members. I had a six cylinder rear in the rear third and a high pinion in the front. I did a lot of fun things to the hubs, the hub studs and all sorts of stuff. And so I was like, Let's get the second gen forerunner. It's the cab and style I want. It had a 22RE in it. The previous owner blew up the 3.0 as they do. And um, the 22RE got put in. And then 
So I had 22RE, less than ideal drivetrain for what I wanted, less than ideal axles, but it was the cab and body I wanted. So my co-host over at Snail Trail 4x4, Jimmy, um, he runs the YouTube side of the Snail Trail 4x4, the the brand and everything. Um, We got this harebrained idea to swap the drivetrain and axles from one forerunner to the other forerunner in less than a week. <laughs> so just because cab swap pretty much or pretty much we did a drivetrain and axle swap instead of cool. a cab swap. Um and so we took the transmission and transfer cases out of and the axles out of both forerunners and then went to swap them and realized that uh we couldn't put the W56 or we couldn't put the R151 from the from my forerunner into the second gen forerunner because it was running a 22RE, not the 22RE turbo and the bell mm-hmm. house. And so it didn't have the 23 spline input done to it. Um, and so once we realized that we're like, shit, what do we do? And so we ended up taking and swapping out. God, how did we do this? We took the transmission from my first gen and put it in Jimmy's truck, his mini truck. <laughs> we took the dual cases out of his truck and put them in the second gen. Um, and then we took the second gen transmission and dual cases and put them in the first gen. <laughs> so, um, it was a, a big swap. It just the, the week swappy swap turned into a week long swappy swap swap, uh, <laughs> three drive trains and two sets of axles in under a week so that I could make Dang. it out to a wheeling trip at Barrett Lake which I'm so, so happy I did because it snowed on us that trip. And you never get to go to Barrett Lake when it snows. Wow. That's one of the that's one of the trails they're super really protective of over um, maintenance and watershed issues. So anytime moisture gets on the trail, they just close it immediately without any questions. And so being able to make that trip and be out in Bar- at Barrett Lake in the snow with a rig that was really untested and we, we kind of threw together super quickly. Um, and everything worked pretty much just fine. Um, was a, a well, really fun week in that, um, I still have that second gen forerunner today. It's undergoing a huge rebuild right now. Um, but it's that I've taken that rig through Rubicon, Ford ice, Barrett Lake, Deer Valley, Slick Rock, a bunch of the trails down in Fresno as well. And I've taken it down to the Baja 1000, uh, drove it uh, from Sacramento down to the Baja border and then down into San Felipe and oh. then down into San Frisquita. San San Frisqui- <laughs> I, sure. I can never say that. <laughs> down there and then all the way back. It was like a 3,000-mile trip um, that we did on a solid-axled rock crawler to go down to Baja and do uh, pre-running in Baja with a crawler, which I highly do not recommend ever doing <laughs> for anybody. <laughs> Super wound. <laughs> yes. Yep. No, just all the whoops. I mean, the, yeah. sus- the suspension is a, a droopy, soft suspension on leaf springs. Um, and going through all the whoops, just miles and miles of unending four foot deep whoops. I'm having mm-hmm. to, I could only go max of like 10 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So I remember there was one point I got out at one of the pit stops for the, there was the 500 going on that year. I got out at one of the, the pit stops and I just like fell out of the rig and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And everybody at the pit stop was just laughing hysterically at me. So that's the rig I still have today. Um, and it's a, it's a, 
I love the second gen platform. It just needed a better drive, uh, better drivetrain to start off with. Um, so I did a three four swap. Well, I had a three four swap done in the second gen. Uh, I have a Premier welder in there um, because we love doing welding out on trails and it's it's fun. Um, and now I'm doing some custom axles built out of Tundra third members and converting to 05 and up Super Duty outers. So I've got the same third member front and rear, which is a 10 and a half inch massive monster mm. dropout third members. Um, and then converting to Super Duty outers. So I've got the same unit bearing on all four corners and I have the same brake calipers on all four corners and the same rotors on all four corners. So um, the only thing that's kind of custom in it is the axle shafts. Nice. And so I built those to be bigger. Hopefully I will never break an axle shaft and we'll be all good. So, so what's your uh, ideal tire size for your application for this build? What for are you this build? At? Yeah. The, I think honestly, ideal tire size would be 42s. Um, but in order to, I'm currently running 40s and uh, we're going to get 40s to fit just fine. I was running 40s on the Toyota axles for two and a half years uh, without really any issues. Um, I wanted to do that just to prove that you can run 40s on Toyota axles and still have a street legal, street driven vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. It just requires a little bit more maintenance on your part to do. Uh, but I think this build, the rebuild should really be on 42s, but that'll require tubbing the rear uh, cargo and fender area. And that's like another 50 hours of labor to do. And I'm like, is it really worth another inch of ground clearance to, <laughs> for 50 right, hours of labor? I don't so think do you, so. What do you typically take with you out of your forerunner? Like it, does your wife go with you or is it just you guys or, or yourself? What do you, what do you take with you? Like tools, camping supplies, minimum yeah. stuff. Is there luxury items you take with you? Are you going into an overlander or a rock lander? <laughs> Dude. So I, and this is one of the reasons why I have a forerunner is because you can just shove all sorts of shit in the back yeah. of the forerunners and yeah. you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, weather proofing them, dust proofing them. Um, they just kind of, shove in there and if you tetris it right you don't even really need to strap stuff down (laughs) it just kind of all holds in compressed in there nicely um but i take a lot of stuff um i'm the guy that uh when i go out on trips especially rock crawling trips i'm i adhere to the um i would rather have it not need it than need it not have it kind of thing so i take a full toolkit that I can, I can should be able to rebuild an engine if I need to with this toolkit that I have just about, um, I can rebuild all the suspension with the toolkit. I can get, do anything I want to the axles. Um, except for maybe, um, put in a new ring and pinion. I don't carry a micrometer with me. Um, but I'm carrying a full tool kit. I'm carrying a full tire patch kit that um, we actually have from Morflate because 40-inch tires take up a ton of space and a ton of weight. So I don't carry a spare tire anywhere I go. Um, and instead, I have a really badass tire repair kit that can take care of 99% of anything that'll happen to my tires out on a trail. Yeah. Um, so I have that. I've got fluids. I carry three or four, three to four quarts of oil. I carry uh, two differentials worth of gear oil um, and then a third one just in case I need to use all those in the transmission instead. I have a manual transmission, so I don't need ATF. Um, I carry a quart of power steering fluid, um, extra coolant, 
Um, and then I carry all my welding supplies. So I have the premier welder. So I carry four different types of stick rod for welding, um, 6011, 7018, 7014, and 4048, which is aluminum. And I carry a welding hood, PPE covers, um, uh, chipping hammer, extra metal, a lot of quite a bit of extra metal actually, um, just to make different brackets out of reinforcing gusset stuff. We need to weld things together, extra grade eight bolts that you can weld to fill gaps. Um, let's see, I have a ton of recovery equipment. I carry two dynamic straps, two tree traps, tree straps, uh, four snatch blocks, um, six or seven soft shackles, three or four uh, anchor shackles. I have a uh, two or three receiver hitch um, anchor points, um, extra winch line. I have an extra hundred feet of winch line that I carry with me for an extension. Um, let's see. God, what else do I carry in there? I'm sure I think there's your, more stuff. Your list would be easier if you had a what don't you take with you? <laughs> Pretty much cuz I also take the fridge. I load it up with food and beer for the weekend. I take a full I take uh, a Gazelle T3 or a T4 with an annex with me. Golly. Um, it's yeah. I I've have a, a camping cot. I've got my sleeping bag. I've got chairs, camping chairs. And how um, long are these trips? Is this a week long trip? 4 typi- days? Typically 3 days, 2 nights is what my, my typical trip length ends up being. So, Man, yeah. any idea of weight on that? Well, well, here's what you need to do after you get your rig back. Uh-huh. Go take it to a weight weigh station mm-hmm. empty. Yep. Load her up with literally everything you just said, and then go weigh it again. I'd be curious to see what that thing is. I'm yeah, that's a good question. The the gross vehicle weight rating of those vehicles of the the second gen foreigners, I believe, like are about 30. 44, 4,500 pounds. Yeah, um, stocked from the factory. So. I'm guessing I'm probably going to be weighing in 55 um, trail loaded would be my guess um, with the new axle and suspension, everything under it. I think I was right around 5,000, maybe 52 before, uh, but these axles are a lot bigger, a lot heavier. So I'm going to guess 55, I'm sure, 56. Uh, I'm sure the rowdy guys that go with you love, love it when you're with them. <laughs> they could probably push the envelope just a little bit more with a little confidence. Yeah, it's funny. I've been uh this last weekend I went wheeling with a bunch of buggies because I don't have my rig, so I got to play passenger princess with a oh. bunch of buggies. And they keep breaking stuff and they don't have any tools with them to fix stuff. They don't have any like they carry minimal fluids. Um mm. and so I just kind of was like, I'm not wheeling with you guys once I get my rig back because I'm just you're gonna lose all my shit. <laughs> so but it's fun man we live up here in the sierras i'm live in sacramento so i'm two hours from the rubicon trailhead and an hour and 15 minutes from fordyce trailhead um about two and a half hours from barrett lake which is my favorite trail ever Mm. um so we're i'm really spoiled and and i spend a lot of time up in the sierras um i love it up there i love the sierras i love the trails i love vehicular vehicular recreation um it's just a really really cool and fun and passionate industry to to really be a part of and so no matter whether you're doing rock crawling or overlanding or anything else in between bahaing or mudding or whatever you're doing um it seems like everybody can agree on one thing that getting out and playing with our vehicles is a hell of a lot of fun and we all absolutely love it so um 
it's a it's a really cool binding point that kind of binds binds us all together in this really fascinating industry. It really is. Now, how mm-hmm. did that spawn? How did you like come up with Morphlate out of all this through the <laughs> hobby side, or did you fall fall backwards into it? Or were you just like creating your own hose I'm late. line? What were Ext- you doing? Extreme laziness. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the more in Morphlate, it stands for my off road radio, which. Um, if you're if you watch a lot of YouTube, you may also notice that uh, Matt's Off Road Recovery uses M O R R, and those guys are really cool guys. I've talked with them, and I'm like, hey man, I'm not doing any kind of recovery. Well, I guess I do NorCal Four by Four Rescue, but it's all volunteer stuff. Um, I'm not trying to get into selling recovery content and into any of that. So. Um, I love what they do. I think they do an awesome job on it. I have no intentions of trying to clash with them over the more name, um, that more acronym I should say, but, um, and somebody else already has it trademarked. So neither of us can get it anyway. So, Mm. um, that stands for my off-road radio. When I started getting into this, um, I also started getting into ham radios because, um, there's a lot of times when you'll be up there and, uh, our goal as off-roaders typically is to get away from society. It's to, get away from people, go out and do something that not a lot of people get to do, go places that not a lot of people get to see and experience. And so when you're getting out away that far, you really need to have some sort of lifeline back to society. When, sh- when shit inevitably is going to hit the fan, uh, you need to be able to have some lifeline to get you back home at the end of the trip. Um, and so for me, that's always been ham radio. Um, and, uh, I've been a huge fan of ham radio. I'm a super radio nerd. I go and do radio contests on weekends where I'm talking to other countries across the world to see how many people I can talk to in a weekend. So that's the kind of stuff that I do. And there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do with ham radio for off-roading that is extremely useful and, um, is pretty really inexpensive. You just need to know some stuff. So I started teaching ham radios specifically to off-roaders. There's classes out there that teach ham radio, um, but they teach it mainly as a hobby and Mm. the hobbyist side of ham radio. So how do you build a transmitter? How do you build an antenna? How do you set up towers? And I'm like, we don't care about that as off-roaders. We want to know how to hit that push to talk and know that we're going to get somebody when we need to get somebody. Um, and so I went through and I kind of put together a curriculum, so to say, uh, to teach people off-roaders how to get their technician license and how to go through the testing process of getting your license as a ham radio, uh, uh, radio operator. And, uh, did that for a few years. Then I started unlocking radios, programming radios for people, modifying radios, setting up radios in people's cars. And so, um, throughout wheeling. Um, I'm six foot four. And so I know you're a big dude too. Um, squatting down at tires to air up and down every single trip you go on just sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my knees don't work well when I squat for longer than like 10 seconds. I can't get back up. I get stuck down in a squatting position. Um, and so I was like, there's got to be a freaking better way to do this. And so I looked up and was like doing a bunch of research. I was like, why can't we just put and do all of them together? Like there, it's just taking some hoses and some brass fittings and putting them together. And 
Uh, I found a couple of DIY designs out there and I was like, these all suck. They use terrible parts. Um, they use parts that cut you, that poke you, that will there, they have a planned obsolescence in them. So they're wearable parts. They wear out over time. I was like, this can be made so much better. Um, and so I started putting together and playing around with different parts. And that was back in 2015, I think when I made my first Morphlate. Um, and, but it wasn't called that at all. It was just a, my air up and down hose, my inflation deflation hose. Um, and then I kept finding better parts for it and replacing this and replacing that and reiterating and trying to make it better and simpler and easier to use. And so finally around uh, 2018, I think, um, 2017 ish, uh, I had people start asking me buddies and friends and clubs to make them a kit. And I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Just pay for the parts. I'll put it together for you. I've got it kind of got it figured out now. Um, and so I was doing that and put them together and more and more people started asking for them and more and more people started asking for them. And I was like, man, I don't know if there's actually something here. There might be, I don't know if there is, but like I could really use an extra 500 bucks a month to pay for breaking everything that I break when I'm going off roading. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so I was, uh, putting these kids together. And I think in uh, January, 2019, I finally put them up on the, my off-road radio website. And I was like, I don't know what to call this thing. Let's call it a Morflate because it's M O R R. It's kind of a fun acronym. You could use it to be like, yeah, give me, I don't know, more air. or I need more air today. Or, you know, I want to go have more fun up in the mountains, M O R R and kind of use this fun M O R R acronym for things. Um, and then I realized that when you put more flight together, it's MF as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have we have some uh, fun playing off of the MF <laughs> MFers in the world, all the more flaters out there. So uh, <laughs> it just ended up being a really fun acronym, a really fun name, um, and it was really really confusing for people at the, when we started because people were like more flight M O R E F L A T E right, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, it's M O R R, and so. Um, it just kind of ended up sticking though. And 2019, we put it on the website and as kind of like to see if people would want it, I didn't do any advertising. I didn't do any marketing. I didn't really push it at all. And I think that first year we sold something like five, 600 units. Wow. And I was just crazy. I was building these things out of my garage in a 1000 square foot condo townhouse. Mm, Wow. (laughs) Um, I was having buddies come over and help me build them. I was sending stuff over to Jimmy's house and he was helping build a bunch of them for a while. He had a Morphlate factory going in his living room for about a year. Um, And so after that first year out of 2019, I was like, there could be something to this. And, you know, we just had one iteration. It was just the quad 125 inch wheelbase. Um, And, and that was really it. And I was like, there could be something to this. People like, convenience there there seems to be a thing here and this thing that people like is it is a little faster but it's a really about the convenience and making it easier and simpler to air up and down now and not have it be such a pain point for people myself mainly (laughs) for what it came out from so uh yeah man 2019 was the first year and it went out well and then i was like well it's to take this a little more seriously, see if we can make something of it. And then when COVID hit early 2020, um, you know, everything shut down for the first three to four months. 
And I thought, I thought it was done. I was like, Oh, this isn't really going to go anywhere. Um, nothing's going to happen of it. Nothing's going to come of it. Uh, and then right about month five, it was May or June, July, right around there. Um, everybody was like, we're tired of sitting at home. We're tired of being on lockdown. We need to go outside and going up into the outdoors and going camping and going hiking and going vehicular recreationing, going overlanding, all these things. That was all that we could do. And so all of a sudden the outdoor industry just exploded overnight. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know if right place, right time. Um, all I know is that it, that second year we over doubled the business. I want to say we did about 1500 units that second year. Wow. Um, so then 2021 came around and I was like, there's something definitely to this. And so I really started focusing on it. I was still had my day job as a sales rep in tennis. I worked for Wilson mm. racket sports, the W on my shirt right here. No. Um, and so I was a sales rep in California here in tennis racket sports. And, uh, I was still trying to do the more flight stuff and build more flights in all my spare time. And then finally in, uh, the end of July, uh, August 1st, I believe is when I finally quit my day job and was able to start working full time in 2021 under more flight and start hiring people. Um, and that's been really awesome being able to be in control of your own destiny mm-hmm. and, now also supply jobs for people and paychecks and roofs over other people's heads. Um, and then be able to, uh, take the money from the business and help funnel it back into trail programs, trail maintenance, trail advocacy organizations. Um, that's always been a big major goal of mine. Um, I, I really have a high dislike for a lot of companies in the off-road industry. There's some amazing companies out there. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of companies that don't treat customer service right, in my opinion. They're really bad at it, or they have really long lead times, or what they do is they take uh, money from their customers to pay for their production of the product, and then the product gets made, and it's a three-month lead time before it ever gets back to the customer. And I'm like, you're just taking loans from your customers. Like, right. Figure out your business. Make your customers get their products right away. Like, it's, it's not that hard of a thing if you really just put some effort into figuring it out. Um, and so there, I just, I don't, I don't like a way a lot of the off-road industry works, um, from the vendors and manufacturers. So I was like, let's run the company differently. Let's focus on customer service. Let's give the absolute best service we can ever provide in the industry. Let's take care of people. Let's, you know, instead of taking all the profits of the business and throwing them in my pockets, let's take those profits and pay employees to go wheeling once a month so that they get out and they get up into the mountains and they can reset their headspace and come back and, you know, have a fresh outlook on work when they get back. Let's pay um, a ton of benefits to the employees. Let's get them accident insurance. Let's get them all these different things. So I take a huge um, stand in making sure that uh, anybody that works at Morflate is paid above market wages and they get the best benefits they can get because um, I've been in those situations before where it just sucks to work for a company. You just feel like right. you're being taken advantage of and you're being penny pinched and they're just taking advantage of your labor and work. And it just, it sucks. So um, let's take care of people. Let's try, you know, start changing the way business works. Um, and so 
there's that. And I was like, and the other big goal is I want to take a lot of the profits and be able to filter them back into trail advocacy organizations. There's a ton. I think so far, I believe Morphlate is the only company out there that will, uh, we, when people come to us with event requests, so for like raffles, off-roaders, we can love our raffles, right? So um, when companies come to us and ask us for raffle donations, yeah, we'll give you a raffle donation, no problem. Um, because there's there's value in the marketing there. There's value in taking care of local communities that are doing some cool stuff for their local communities and putting on events for local communities. But I tell everybody, yeah, I'll give you, you know, two hundred dollar value towards a raffle donation, or we'll three exit and give you six to seven hundred dollars value if you have some some proceeds, anything. I don't care how much it is, something go back to a trail advocacy organization like Blue Ribbon Coalition, Tread Lightly, United Four-Wheel Drive Association, Cal 4, Corva, uh, Friends of Oceana Dunes. There's tons of them out there. Rubicon Trail Foundation. Um, and I'm like, look, veteran organizations, children's hospitals, SPCAs, they all need the help. We All nonprofit organizations need as much funding help as they can get. But if we continue as a industry and community to take money directly out of the off-roading industry and send it somewhere else. We're just shooting ourselves in the feet in the, in the long run. Um, there's a lot of active litigations going on around the country. Uh, Moab is a big, huge hot topic right now. Um, Sand hollow is getting hit kind of hard right now. Uh, Oceana dunes. Uh, we just had a big win at Oceana dunes for, uh, off-roading, but, uh, there's a lot of places around the country that are getting shut down. And uh, if we don't have them, if we as an off-roading industry don't put together the money to fight these litigations because it's expensive to pay for lawyers, um, we're going to lose trails. We're going to lose trails Mm -hmm. left and right, and there's not going to be anything that we're going to be able to do about it. So making sure that Morphlate is really the change I want to see in the world of companies taking a stand and taking their profits and putting them back into our trails um, has been a big, big, big priority for me. So, um, yeah, man, that's kind of the, the background of Morphlay. We just kind of came out of nowhere, right time, right place. And, um, had a lot of really fun ideas for different products that haven't been done in the industry. Really. We were the first one to commercialize a multi-tire air system. Um, we have single tire, two tire, four tire systems. We've got now into air compressors. We have a fun air compressor. We just launched that. You can set your pressure, your desired pressure, and it will air everything up and then shut itself off once it's there. And it does it all on 35 inch tires in like four minutes. Hmm. Pretty cool. Um, tire repair kits, bags. Uh, there, there's a lot of fun products. We have a lot of fun products still um, getting worked on right now. Um, that we're going to be launching over the next year. So, yeah, man, a lot of good stuff's going on, and mm-hmm. and like you said, you know, if you're in the community, why not? If if you can give back to the community, and yep. then don't just two face it, and then expect just to. A lot of those companies, I call them like pop up companies. They just they're they're there in the moment, just to peace out. You know, they don't care about customer service or any of that, and that yep. comes across. You know, if you you send them an email or something, or even a phone call, if they're listed, a lot of companies don't even list their phone numbers anymore. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sweet man. Well, I appreciate mm-hmm. you coming on. I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on today? Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. There's there's lots of cool stuff going on. You know, if people want to learn more about Morphlate, uh, follow the social media. You can listen to the Snail Trail podcast. Look at the things that we're doing in the industry. 
Um, we have something coming up here that is, I mean, the PSI Pro compressor already, I think, is going to change the way people look at inflation, uh, tire inflation while they're out on the trails. We have something coming up that's going to change the whole industry and flip everything upside down. Nice. So um, be on the lookout. It's going to be coming up. We have the working prototype finally done and it's functioning. Uh, and we're, it's actually, I'm going to be announcing it tonight. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Um, with a uh, Bronc Buster. So I think you, this is going to be airing for you later, right? Yeah. This, thir- this, uh, this Thursday. Yeah. This Thursday. So yeah. Um, it'll be announced on Tuesday, two days ago from when this is airing. So go check it out. We have some uh, fun things up our sleeves that we've been working on and uh, we're going to keep continuing to innovate and push the industry as hard as we can uh, because there's some really cool technologies out there that the industry, uh, it seems to be a very traditional industry. People don't like to really accept new technology sometimes. Um, And so we're going to keep pushing it and showing people that it can be done, that you can run uh, an awesome customer service company in the off-road industry um, that really cares about the people, really cares about the customers, and really cares about uh, customer service and the trails that we all go on. Um, and we're we're genuine people, and uh, it's I, I think that it's really important for people out there to know which companies they're dealing with and what those companies do with their time and their resources. So yeah, yeah. I like the uh, the ten six psi pro because like typically whenever you know over like you said earlier like uh, if if the overland and the and the off road community can kind of meet in the middle on products and gear, mm-hmm. I mean that's just another door that's or a Pandora's box that's going to be open for you know overlanders. I always call them lazy backpackers, but you know those guys we like we like tech and gear and things mm-hmm. that can make your trips a little bit more enjoyable. But yep. with the ten six psi pro. I like how you can set it and forget it because a lot of times you're you're tearing down camp, you're you're talking mm-hmm. to your buddies, you're putting out the fires and all that stuff, um, and instead of wasting another fifteen minutes or whatever, yeah, uh, hooking up and just eyeballing it. So yeah, it's really cool. You think about yeah, we have air rates uh, or inflation rates for tires, right? And everything is kind of judged in the air, the twelve volt compressor industry of how fast can a compressor air up a tire. Because you're always having to sit there and manage it. So really, the time does matter. matter. Mm-hmm. With the PSI Pro, you don't have to manage it anymore. And it's not really a matter of how fast it airs up your tires because it does everything for you. Your time is zero. It's just mm-hmm. setting up the hoses and then tearing it all back down and putting it away in its bag in the back of the Forerunner. It's, so it's really your time is 30 seconds, 45 yeah. seconds for air up because you can go and do other stuff. You can clean the rig off, go make some tacos, go fishing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, so that's, it's going to really, I think, change and imp- have a major impact on how the off-roading world views um, inflation and going off-roading and, you know, packing up at the end of the day after your trip. I will say, you know, I come from the rock crawling world and you've been over on the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast talking about, um, you know, what's the difference between rock crawling and overlanding or off-roading and overlanding and... Yeah. um. I will give huge, massive credit to the Overland world. I love the Overland world because I'm a super gadget nerd. I (laughs) love gadgets. I love technology. And seeing everything that's coming out to make life easier and get rid of pain points from the overlanding side, I'm like, hell yeah, let's adopt that and get that over into rock crawling. Like everybody's so concerned about. Yeah, I mean, it, they're. Yeah, you can. There's reason to keep your rig lightweight and not overload it. 
Um, but there's also, I'm like, I can't go out in buggies without air conditioning and without tinted windows because I burn in the sun. You should see my back after Meadow Lake this weekend. Oh, I saw it. You did? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I Uh, saw a little more too. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the free stuff, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm like, man, people in buggies there there's there's a fun thing about buggies and i will say they can definitely be a lot of fun but at the same time like i'm miserable in buggies because i'm usually hot i usually get super dusty i can't breathe i get really overheated i get hot in the sun i get burned um so i'm like man let's bring some of this overlanding stuff and these nice things that make (laughs) life easy over to the rock crawling world so that um so that I can go out and stay out in the Sierras longer, really, is what it comes to. <laughs> I like when you and Jimmy are always talking about, like, you know, random stuff. Like, you guys have fridges and, and <laughs> Devos lights. Yes. And I'm always thinking, these guys are primitive. <laughs> God, what? <laughs> like, these right. have been out for a minute now. Yeah. But it's funny, to, like, your reactions are like, oh, we've got no more ice. It's fridge only or mm-hmm. whatever. Anyway, I can see yeah. my whole camp area. This is amazing. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not limited to my headlamp uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the little things. It totally is. That makes it. It's absolutely the little things that make life easier out there. And the easier we can make it too, the more people come in right. and do it. Right. So the more yeah. people we get into off-roading too, the more people, more voices we have to get trails reopened or keep trails from closing or get the forest to put priority on the off-roading trails rather than all the backpacking trails so that we can keep using all these trails and get more and more people coming in. So, um, I'm a huge fan of get rid getting rid of pain points and getting more people into the hobby. Um, we just need to have more people like you out there that are educating all the new people coming into the hobby because there's been a lot of fights that we've fought in over the years, and there's been a lot of uh, trail etiquette things that people just aren't aware of, and you don't know what you don't know, and that's not a bad thing. Um, but we need more people out there doing off-road education, I think. Um, yeah. So that's why, again, uh, with Morphlate, it's also really important for me to take care of people that are doing off-road education and uh, take care of people that are supporting organizations that are doing uh, off-road org- uh, education. So... Um, you know, when you approached me about doing this, uh, the first email special for budget overland, I was like, hell yeah, man, this is no brainer. Like I'm totally down. I'd love to be the Guinea pig, see how it goes. Um, (laughs) and I think it went pretty well. It seemed like we had a a lot of people reaching out and, um, asking questions and, um, getting some stuff and getting some stuff at a pretty good deal too. So, um, yeah, I'm like, let's, let's support people that are doing education, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yep. Um I'm gonna have to find myself out towards you guys one of these days and you guys could show me around the mountains. I'm not gonna yeah. bring my IFS rig by any means, but we can there's some good trails out here that an IFS rig can have some uh good uh fun on for sure. Nice. That the whole uh that whole area is like on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Man, it's just so far away. I yeah. Mean, that's a good three day drive for sure. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we actually had a we had a group out here from Tennessee this mm. last weekend. Um and they came out they come out every year apparently and do the Rubicon, Barrett Lake, and then end their trip on Fordyce at the Sierra Trek event. Um, how long do they take off? For like two weeks or something? I, I wanna say it's like two, two and a half weeks. 
Yeah. It'd have to be. That's, yeah. That's nonstop driving. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> Any last words of wisdom or anything? Have fun. Just go out and enjoy your adventures. I don't care what you're doing. Just make sure you're having fun. If you're not having fun, it's not worth doing. So um, make sure you're going out, play with your vehicles, play in the outdoors. Um, it's amazing what the outdoors can do to our mental health and to you as a, a person, individual. And just make sure you're having fun with it too. So those are my final words. Sweet. <laughs> Tyler from More Flight. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, and, man. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be on the air together again soon. Absolutely. I'm always down to talk. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you, uh, I guess, back here on Monday for the Overland Shenanigans. See ya. Bye-bye.